Good morning, good morning, and happy Tuesday from the farm. Welcome to another episode of Thinking Outside the Soil, where I get to talk story about topics related to farmers and ranchers using hydroponic practices to grow the crops and creatures we need to eat. And I am your host, Shani Alfalfa Seed. Thank you for being with us on this beautiful morning. I love Tuesdays because it reminds me of my favorite Taoist, Winnie the Pooh, that silly little bear. So happy Tuesday to you. Today's episode, I'm going to touch a bit on the feed grain factors of corn and cattle. And my big question that I had last night and this morning is, what do you feed your beef cattle? And I'm willing to bet that it's corn, or at some level, corn is a significant part of your feed. I know a lot of the ranchers and farmers that have been in my world feed corn, finish on corn, whether they be grass-fed or fed in other ways, before they go to slaughter, they're put on a heavily laden corn diet. However, we are seeing from different perspectives, from the rancher, from the farmer, from the consumer, from the policymaker, that grass-fed beef is becoming more popular. So I want to pose this question. What if feeding hydroponically grown corn could save you money? What if growing hydroponic corn could save you time? And still get you the best beef on the market that you can promote as grass-fed beef. Beef that's going to be better for your bottom line, which means it's better for the people and it's better for the planet while making you a profit. <laughs> so that's what I wanted to think about more today on this Tuesday. But real quick, since you're here, Make sure that you follow the show and please leave a review so others know why they should stay too. It's okay to just take a pause, scroll down, hit the like, throw in some words, and come on back. I will be here. Now, the corn industry is a major feed source for cattle in the United States and around the world. So here in the United States, corn is one of the most widely produced feed grains, and most of that is going to be used to feed livestock, including our bovine friends here in Colorado and all around the world. In addition, the corn industry's experienced a lot of growth in the last few years, and this is driven mostly by the increasing demand for meat and dairy products, and the use of corn for other industrial products like biofuel and making vitamins and minerals. This morning, I decided to look up the price of corn because I have heard that it's going to go up significantly this year. The price of corn this morning was $6.66 a bushel, or that's $6.66 for 56 pounds. It's a lot of sixes in there. So I apologize for all the <laughs> Now, we've heard it's expensive, but perspective helps us understand what that means. 
last year, it was only a penny more. So we've heard from experts out there, the ones that I've listened to most recently are at the Egg Institute at Iowa State University. And some of them over there expect corn prices to go up by 15 to 18%. You can head on over to those episodes on corn and eggs to listen in a bit more about that in another context. The corn industry has also faced some challenges that include the fluctuations in the prices over the year, as well as the climate change that we've seen from year to year and over the past few decades. Those changing fluctuations in prices and weather conditions are going to significantly impact the availability and then that cost of the cattle feed. The corn industry is going to be a very vital source for feeding cattle and the rest of our livestock in the world. So it's very important to consider the industry's impacts and challenges when looking at corn for feed and deciding on how we want to continue to use corn as feedstuffs. So a factor that we need to make sure that we are paying attention to when growing corn in the field or even as I advocate hydroponically, we want to make sure that we are meeting the different nutritional requirements of our animals. We also, side note, meeting the requirements, the nutritional requirements of the plant so the plant can provide the best nutrition for the animal. And then making sure that we're addressing the animal's needs at different stages of their life or depending on the type of product that we're interested from that creature. So we are using cattle as a model this week to talk more about these topics. If we're growing for meat, it's gonna be different feeding decisions and nutritional requirements than if we're growing for dairy. If we have a calf, it's gonna be much different than um, something else. So we need to be very mindful that those different stages and what the cow is doing. So if we have a cow-calf pair and that mama's weaning, she's gonna have different requirements than when the cow's done, when, when her baby's done there. So we have to be mindful that that feed quality is going to impact a cattle's health. And then I've alluded to the productivity of you know raising a baby cow and or how well we get the end product. Part of that factor in feeding is the management of how we do that. Excuse the glitch, dropped my phone while recording. Things to consider when doing feed management practices are going to be those environmental factors that come into play when planting out in the field and or 
mitigating those by choosing to grow hydroponically. We also must consider the costs of growing that feed, all the associated costs, as well as what is our budget for getting feed. Some of the factors that are extremely important that we often overlook are the budget and cost constraints that some farmers face. So I may be advocating that hydroponic fodder is the best and I will continue to shout that from the rooftops. However, I'm hyper aware that some of those initial costs are seen as barriers. And it's our job as seedsmen to help understand where your opportunities costs are to show you that the costs of hydroponic fodder are actually significantly less than they are when choosing field forage crops. Corn can be grown hydroponically for cattle feed and it's got a lot of benefits over traditional field corn. The main advantage is that it uses water significantly better than field forage and field grown corn specifically. Water availability is going to be a significant factor in how well we can grow that corn in the first place. So as we look forward to the futures of corn, we should understand like how much water are we using to grow corn in the field? And can we switch to growing hydroponically grown corn to offset that water usage and still meet our operational needs and the consumer's desires and all of the other things that come within that? While being very, very while being very, very efficient on water, corn fodder can also be grown in a controlled environment on a year-round basis. So this allows a farmer to also offset those feeding factors by growing their feed in a consistent and reliable way, especially in areas where they have to fight those challenges of environment or fluctuating costs, they can use hydroponically grown corn to better control their operation. Something I have heard that is overlooked is that these hydroponic farm operations can be implemented and integrated into existing farms already and there is often a portion of everyone's farm where the land is unused and we usually advocate that that space can be allocated to an indoor control environment to grow the different things that you need to do to make your operation successful. That success stems from a farmer's decision to become more sustainable and for making some of those decisions on how the feed costs 
factor into their farm operation. A big takeaway that I want to say for today is that hydroponic corn fodder and hydroponic fodder in general is a promising method of growing feed. We're using cattle this week to talk a bit about hydroponic fodder, but it's important to understand that hydroponic fodder is going to have potential advantages for every single area of agriculture and the different livestock that we're growing. And I recognize that it is not an end all solution. So I must say that we're always considering the benefits and the limitations to these approaches. And this is why we are opening up these conversations and creating some sort of public dialogue in piecemeal so that we can start to understand this. I recognize that there are a lot of challenges when having these conversations. The biggest challenge is getting somebody up on the pulpit or soapbox like I joked about the other day and just letting them say whatever. So I am really excited that as we move forward on the show, we are building out an audience of other experts out there that can help share their viewpoint, their perspective, so that we can create a more comprehensive conversation around hydroponic fodder and feeding it for our livestock. But that's all I have for you this morning. If you've enjoyed this or any of the other shows, come back tomorrow, like, follow, subscribe, leave a review, let others know why they should stay too. Get yourself a copy of my book at thinkingoutsidethesoil.com so you can learn more about how hydroponic fodder is helping farmers save water, improve their livestock quality, and helping them become better stewards of our earth. So be sure to follow the show, get the book, and check out the special video in the links below. And join us tomorrow where I will talk a bit more about why we believe that hydroponic fodder is a better choice for feedstock. And thank you for being with us on another episode. Take care and have a lovely day. Hey, before you go, check out the links below. Leave me a rating and review and follow the show. Don't forget to get yourself some of our Blooming Health Blended Sprouting Mix. Our mix has been shown to get the best eggs and create the healthiest flocks. With feed costs going up, right now's the time to lock in a subscription so that you can get the best eggs without having to go to the grocery store or the feed store anymore. Check out the links below to get yourself some Blooming Health Blended Sprouting Mix.